Welcome to Cyberwise Podcast. How are you, Ron? Great, great. How are you doing? I'm here in your hometown in London. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. I'm uh, I'm two hours south now in Bournemouth, but um, maybe at Black Cat. Are you going to be at Black Cat next, what, two weeks away? No, no, no. I came just, for, I was supposed to come for Black Cat, but um, yeah, a customer brought me here earlier and I'll have to be in LA for different, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Well, next time you're in town, we'll, uh, we'll definitely grab a coffee or something stronger. Um, I know you've been traveling a lot, mate. So uh, how's the move since, uh, since being in New York? How's that all gone? I got to say, first time I went to New York, uh, I spent a week in New York, um, I guess it was about three weeks ago, and I hated it. I hated it. It was overwhelming. It was smelly. Um, it was intense. People were mean. Like, it was, it was bad. Um, and so when it came to the point to decide where I'm going to move to in the U.S. from Israel, um, you know, I had a, what are the core, there aren't, aren't that many options as big as the U.S. is. Like when you really think about it as like a, you know, young guy, like where, what's, what's the fun places to be? It's like, you know, either California, um, you know, Austin, maybe Miami, maybe Denver, Boston, New York, right? Like, I feel like that's probably the list. Um, and so. I asked like a bunch of entrepreneurs, like where I should move to. And then like everyone gave me very passionate answers. You have to be in the West Coast because that's where the customers are. Or you have to be in New York. You have to be in Miami. Um, and then I just spoke to one guy and he's like, he responded like mad. He was like, dude, you're wasting everyone's time. Like, spend a week here. Spend a week there. But it is. See what you like. And I really enjoyed Boston, I got to say. Um, yeah. Boston was really fun. Palo Alto was the worst, personally everything shuts down at like five o'clock there's nothing to do there um and and time zone wise i realized working with israel from the west coast was very very tough and yeah. obviously i'm still very involved there so new york uh, became the leading option love that and it's all going well i've seen a few uh well i've interviewed a couple of other founders like from grip and entro they've actually moved to boston and i know there's a few unicorn uh specifically cyber unicorn companies over there and the cyber ecosystem is great but yeah new york good choice i'll be out there in february so i'll let you know uh but look ron let's dive into it man i know with uh with all my guests i like to take it back to where it all began and sort of how you got into the industry leading up to now founding entitle so if you could run us through that that would be great sure thing um so i grew up in dallas texas and then um i grew up in dallas texas then i moved to israel uh, right before high school. And in Israel, I started my journey in, in cybersecurity. As you know, there's mandatory service uh, in the army. And so I joined uh, the intelligence directorate and um, I did cybersecurity research for a few years and a few years turned into a few more years. And that's where I met a lot of great friends. That's where I met Avi, my co-founder. We both had started our journey together. And, um, you know, not to talk too much about uh, my time there, but when we finished our service, we kind of started to think about what was the next thing to do. And we knew we wanted to do something together. We knew we wanted to start, uh, we started to start a company. Uh, frankly, the, the opportunity was ripe too. We, we were both uh, still very young, still very with no commitments, uh, no kids, no mortgages. Um, and so we, I think we're very uh, fortunate to realize, to understand, to be in the position and to realize that uh, we could go a while without pay. We could, we could, you know, survive without a salary. We had saved, you know, while military salaries, salaries aren't high, you don't spend a lot yeah. while you're in the military. And so 
uh, we had saved some money up uh, right before and it was COVID. So there weren't a lot of places to spend your money anyways, to begin with. Um, and so it was, it was really cool. Like we could, we knew we could set a few, a, a bit of time aside, um, a bit of time aside to, to pursue something without the pressure of needing a salary. And so that's when we started our ideation and started just researching the many different options. Uh, the world is big. And so I think if anything, uh, the downside of, of having and uh, not having a timer, uh, you know, a, a tick, a ticking bomb um, was we were able, both that benefit and bad thing is we were just all over the place. We spent two weeks in the hospital trying to figure out what we can do in the ultrasound space. We spent, um, we spent a month going down the, the data lake space. Like there were a lot of different things that we had pursued, uh, but I think deep down, we, we kept going back to access management as kind of, we were looking left and right when we saw what companies were getting, raising capital for is, you know, all this like next gen AI stuff. But when you look at what companies get compromised for, it's boring old IT dude has access to production or, you know, customer success team has access to everyone's environments and has a duplicate password. So like something about like the risk profile and where people were spending their time didn't seem to align. And so we, we, we were trying, we knew there was something to be done there and, it, you know, just figuring out what and, and how to do is what led us, us to start in title is, you know, we went down that road and, and trying to figure out what could be really done differently. Yeah. Nice. Cause I've, um, I've listened to you in the past and you've called it quite, I think the word you used was, um, the same old boring, uh, Pam, but when you really look at it and you mentioned credentials and how IT staff are, are being victims and things like that, it really is an interesting space. So how, how big of, of an issue and problem is this for, for, for folks? Um, you know, that's a, that's one of the biggest things that we had focused our time on. Um, cause everyone is so busy all the time with so many things. And so making sure that we're focusing on time, our time on something that's priority is, is by the way, more challenging than you would think. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. It's, you think if you ask someone like how important this is, then they'll just tell you, Hey, this isn't that important or this is very important. Um, but the thing is that, you know, and I've spoken about this in the past, I think a bit of like, you know, classic mom test issues, is, you know, what, uh, understanding what is priority for someone and how long, how, how when are they going to press to actually change it and, and fix it? Um, you know, there, there are a lot of big problems that we have to undertake in our world. And uh, there's a question of when, and, you know, if you don't have something that can, you can attach to a compelling event, it's somewhat challenging. Um, that's by the way, one of the, uh, challenging aspects of access management and the, and the, the, the good parts of, of the space that we've gone down is, you know, it, it people don't generally don't need to be convicted, need to be convinced of the importance of access management. So everyone kind of understands that uh, it's very important and it's a challenging space. What people do need to be convinced is that things can be done differently. Everyone is so used to a very old and slow moving system that it's very hard to see success in. Frankly, as a CISO, no one wants to undertake an access management project because it's doomed for success. It's doomed for failure. Excuse me. Um, you know, it's it's not the best way to to sign your name off in a in a company's project. And so, um, convincing CISOs that things are being done differently and Entitle really brings an innovative solution that enables quick value and um, quick success has been one of the biggest things I've been focused on. Yeah, let's talk about the solution. So can you talk about the different features or is there two products in one? Can you talk us through each sort of the core aspects? For sure, for sure. So 
you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the challenge of access management. I'll take a step back first. Yeah. I'd say that access management can be divided into two core aspects. Uh, one is the more governance side, the retrospective visibility of who has access to what, removing access that is no longer needed, uh, compliance needs, right? User access reviews, recertification, uh, are all things that we're familiar with. And then the other side is what's called provisioning. Provisioning is the operational day-to-day -day how you get access. So you know, Joe joins company X. How does he get his laptop and his key card, but also a, a permission, the permissions he needs in Salesforce and the permission she needs in AWS? And that process is very IT DevOps intensive. Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a very manual process. And that's what we kept seeing basically in a lot of these companies is that when it came to the actual giving and taking away of access, it was a very manual you know, service now ticket processed by a person that then goes in. And even if automation was in play, it was on the approval process. It wasn't on the provisioning, it wasn't on the actual change management. And so basically, the idea was we realized if we automate the process of how employees get access, then not only will the business like us, because SLAs will go down, you know, IT and DevOps teams won't have to process 30% of these tickets that are access requests, but also from a security perspective, you can now make it easier to remove access when it's no longer needed because I have the context. We know why this permission is given. It is given, you know, as part of addressing a customer need. This was the ticket that was associated with that need. And therefore, the ticket is resolved. The permission is removed. That's just an example, right? of a policy you can create. But the, the idea being, it's a very flexible, there's, it's a very flexible system. And that's, by the way, again, one of the challenges of access management is it's a very business specific challenge. Different businesses have different needs. And so uh, what we've built is a very flexible platform that basically now enables companies to create the different policies they need, whether it's around customer success access or um, you know engineers accessing prod, or it's um, people accessing PII and databases BI, it, it, tens of different use cases. Uh, and then being able to create policies that automatically provision, deprovision access based off of these conditions. Yeah. With regards to that, just putting a security lens on it, having a vendor like you with such access to a, an enterprise or mid-market play, how would they have confidence in you or as a vendor that this is the right thing to do? Yeah, as you might imagine, it's a question we get a lot. Yeah, and and I, I think you know that's been one of the biggest things that we've been focused on. You know, we're all security engineers originally by training, and the the, the promise of entitle is was bringing a security centric approach to what was historically considered an IT problem. Uh, so we obviously always tell our, our customers, you know, we have a very secure database using the cloud called uh, Pastebin. It's you know just put it on; it's publicly available. I'm joking. Pastebin is like a it's a, it's a, it's almost like putting on a Facebook. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, uh, what we do is uh, we have, uh, what we have is a, a hybrid deployment that basically enables our customers to keep all their sensitive information inside their environment. And so in reality, there's very little trust being put on in title. Got it. I've seen that you've, um, just got a partnership with AWS marketplace as well. How many integrations now are you rolling with? Is it like a hundred plus something like that? Are we? Considering the short time frame yeah. we've been going, like I'm, I was shocked how many there was. Well, we we've built out a pretty strong expertise internally about how on how to maintain and build these quickly. Um, as you might imagine, like there's a lot of infrastructure involved in how to do things. But you know, it's important for me to emphasize it's not only the breadth but also the depth of the integrations, right? 
there are some applications which are frankly very easy to integrate with. Um, Zoom, for example. Actually, Zoom is a bad example. They have horrible developer programs. But um, sorry, Zoom, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of applications that are their permission management model is fairly simple and straightforward is what I'm trying to say. Um, and there are other applications that are very complex. AWS permission management, you, you, know, you can get a PhD. And I think people literally have gotten a PhD in AWS permission management. And um, and that's just one of many. It could all three cloud providers, databases, services, Salesforce, CRMs. Like there are a ton of applications that have a very complex internal model. And so we've invested a lot of our efforts internally on understanding deeply these different applications, which is, by the way, the way that we're able to provide a quick time to value. The way that we're able to provide a quick deployment is because we pre-researched these, just give us an API token and we'll do all the work for you. Yeah. Is that um, meaning are you a cloud uh, or on-prem then? Is it cloud, cloud-based cloud or both? Uh, yeah, well, the, the, the solution is cloud-based. The, what I meant when I said the hybrid deployment is there is a core part of Entitled that sits on-prem, quote-unquote, inside your VPC, um, just so that it's in your perimeter and your control. By the way, not all customers use that. You know, there are some that have a more cloud-centric approach, but you got the idea. Yeah, nice. I know you mentioned that you've got customers at the moment. How important have they been in the progression of Entitled as a product? You know, I think the thing that on a personal level, not even Entitled, on a personal level, the thing that I've been the most fortunate about is having amazing people that believed in us early on, uh, primarily angel investors, uh, CISOs, and people that have done it, people that knew the challenge, people that knew how hard it was, joined us from day one and it's been an incredible, incredible backing. And the other is the customers, which are just as important people that, you know, took the bet on us early on. Frankly, we all know that working with a startup in its early stages is a bet. It's uh, it's something that you don't do lightly. You, you, you know, you have a few bullets, quote unquote, that you can mm -hmm. use like that um, throughout your career, throughout, you know, the time in your company. And so we were really fortunate that a good set of initial customers had used bet on us early on. Um, I would say that's, you know, one of the benefits of the tech community is that just people understand the importance of innovation. People are keen, even, you know, as we grow right now, what's interesting is those challenges don't change, right? You still need to get people to bet on you. It's just that the the, raise, the stakes get higher, right? Instead of aiming for yeah. companies that are a few tens of employees raised to a few, to a few hundreds, you make it to a few hundreds. Now you need to convince companies at a few thousands, a few thousand, you get to a few tens of thousands and so on and so forth. And so... Um, at every stage, you, you keep meeting these people that are really thirsty for innovation, really trying to understand what could be diff done differently in the space. And I think the there's a lot of uh, they're very very mutually beneficial relationship there in terms of you know if you if you really deliver as a startup, which is its own challenges, but if you really yeah. do deliver, then you can provide the stakeholder the stakeholder with a really impressive win to their boss and to their company. So being able to articulate that and prove that out quickly um, has been one of my focuses recently. How's it, um, how's it evolved or how is this space evolving? Because I can imagine in the time of you starting Entitle, a lot's changed. And you mentioned about business changes and things like that. But over like maybe the last 10 years, how, how has the space evolved? Uh, you know, even over the last year, the yeah. space, has, space has evolved significantly. Um, you know, whether it was just even in the in the VC community, when we first started talking about active management, it was the most boring part <laughs> that no one wanted to talk about. And, and literally today, you know, everyone is talking access management, everyone realizes it's important. So 
that just the importance and the, the focus that it has gotten from CISO's perspective as well. You know, when you see a lot of surveys on what CISOs are focused on, access management continues to rank uh, first, second, sometimes third, but very, very, very high on their priorities. And so I think that the focus on access management has just increased. The other thing that I think has changed is the understanding of why cloud access management is different than what used to be done. And, you know, we were talking about the convergence of uh, IGA and PAM for a few years now. And finally, you can hear the industry start understanding that as well. And uh, whether it's the IGA and PAM vendors themselves or um, Gartner and the customers also understanding that the problem space is overlapping and, and converging as well. Well, um, is this still being categorized as PAM by, by Gartner or is it something new coming out or? Uh, you know, they, at one of their last conferences, they had a really fancy slide with like three Venn diagrams and a line going down the middle and, you know, examples of vendors. So I, I would, I don't know if there's a new term for it. It's definitely, it, by the way, even with, you know, eternally at Entitle, we've been going back and forth on how we want to call it, right? Because uh, we can't go around saying, yeah, well, it's somewhere in the middle and, you know, let's talk about it for three hours and explain. Um, people don't have time for that. And so, you know, you'll notice that we've started calling it more and more PAM exactly for that reason, just so that at least people know where to start and then, you know, you can expand from there. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if there's a clear cut answer for that yet. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. As a founder, a lot of people on the pods talk about like challenges they faced and things like that. I wanted to ask you what success uh, or can you share a success story that, uh, with us with Insightful? Or how you've benefited uh, a client and reduced or, um, and improved productivity. Yeah, uh, there's actually a very recent example where I was very proud of. Um, uh, a customer had come to us that was very, or prospect at the time, come to us very educated about the space. Uh, knew all the players in the space, had trialed a few, like was very, very, very knowledgeable. And so... You know, as you might imagine from an ego perspective, like, you know, everything kicks into high gear, like, oh, like we have to win this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, being left and right is just like, of course we have to be number one here. So, um, you know, we started the POC process and, you know, we can talk about that, but that went by very quickly, you know, from day one to like full deployment from the first demo we saw to full on, you know, procurement and full on deployment uh, in the company. I think it was, it was a month end to end, you know, including everything. Um, and only rolled out to uh, initially it was hundreds of employees that were using it. And so that was that, you know, that was why we started Entitle. That story was was what we had what we had hoped for when we started. We said access management programs are known for taking years. We're going to come with a quick to deploy solution that you can see value from within the week. And that was what happened. Within it was a week and a half, not a week, but within a week and a half. From uh, the closed one, from the signing of the, the PO, uh, the, the product was fully deployed. And so that was a very, very, very proud moment, um, I think, from a, from a internal perspective that we're, it's not just marketing gibberish. It's we're actually delivering on, on what we promised and what we wanted to do. Now, granted, there's a lot more to be done. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. It seems that it's not the case, but that was a proud moment. At what point did you decide uh, to take VC money as well? Um, that's a, that's a great question. We, we, we could talk hours about the benefits and, and downfalls of taking VC money. Um, I think, again, we had 
we had identified incredible partners early mm. on. Uh, and as young, frankly, early stage entrepreneurs, we wanted people around us. We wanted to surround ourselves with a strong peer group that we could talk to and, and, and hear, hear and learn from, frankly. I, I joke that in, in high school, when I moved to Israel, I used to, my parents rather, used to pay for private lessons in, in Hebrew so that I could learn. And, you know, I feel like now I get paid to get private lessons from all these extremely talented people that frankly, um, you know, you, you couldn't pay them for their time because it's their time is so expensive that it's not even for sale. And yeah, so yeah. the, the irony of it kind of, and like these people are making time for me so that I can be better at my job. I think that that was, uh, the learning opportunity there for us was, uh, was very, very attractive. And we could go down the, the economics aspect of it as well. And, the the other the other answer is uh, we, we really wanted to build build something big. You know, yeah. There's the joke of some people want to be rich and some people want to be king, um, and you know we really wanted to build something big and significant, something that could really show change um, for the industry and and be a leader in the cybersecurity world. And uh, I'm not going to say it's impossible bootstrapping. Um, we had originally bootstrapped, by the way, a different initiative. We'd worked uh, eight months on a bootstrap uh, before we started entire. Yeah. So. Uh, something that we did consider deeply, but uh, we knew that the chances of building something huge align with the VC model. Well then, what, what's the future for for Entitle Run? I wish I knew. If you if you if you, if you know, let me keep me posted. Uh, but I will say that we're at a really exciting point. You know, startups have kind of graduation points from you know from having a, a deck to having its first first customer and then having that first customer to maybe the first tens first you know 10 20 30 uh, but then there's kind of that shift that needs to happen from all right we have a product we have customers we have customers that are renewing there's a customer success team. basically the whole operation shifts from uh kind of bootstrap like a few friends in the garage really working something together to a company that needs to have the infrastructure of what you expect the company to have an hr team customer success team a sales team a marketing team like all these different pillars and building that out, building a management team, uh, that was kind of what we've been focused on over the last few months and definitely what's uh, next over the next year. Well, Ron, I wish you all the best of success. Enjoy the rest of your time in London, my man. And uh, I'll see you, you soon, mate. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and share with your friends and colleagues as this is really important for the show's reach. If you'd like to be our next guest or are interested in Aspron Search's staffing solutions, please get in touch directly with me or reach out to us via our website www.aspronsearch.com.